welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Today, we feature audio from the Elite Business Advice Podcast with Chris Moore. In this episode, Chris talks with Joel Greiner from Paint the Earth about emotional intelligence, interpersonal communications, and how these affect your business and the employees working for you. Welcome to the Elite Business Advice Podcast. My name is Chris Moore. I'm the founder of Elite Business Advisors, and the goal of our podcast is to help you grow your business, but also educate you on a variety of topics that affect self-employed small business owners. Today's episode, we have Joel Greiner. Joel is the owner of Paint the Earth uh, here in St. Louis. He's one of our clients. He's also a PCA member, Uh, but Joel used to be a licensed therapist, and he kind of found himself wandering back into the painting industry a handful of years ago. So we're going to talk through a little bit about mental health in the workplace, how to lead your employees, and and run a successful company uh, through some of the stuff he's learned in his training of being a licensed therapist. Joel, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Chris. Awesome. Good to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, doing this and uh, taking time out of your day to come record and share a little bit about your background and kind of how you use that in your business and stuff. So tell us tell us a little bit about yourself to start out. Sure thing. Well, I am a St. Louis native. All right. Uh, been here my whole life and uh at the moment, and I say the moment, uh, really to say forever. Yeah, <laughs> I have one wife and yeah. four kids, okay. and we're going to keep it that there way. There you go. There you go. So my and wife. You're going to stay in St. Louis. So. Well, yes. <laughs> okay. Except for like you know having a second house somewhere else. But. Indeed, indeed. No, my wife and I uh, have been married for 21 years. Awesome. Uh, quick math. Married in 2000, so that one's easy. Oh, that's super easy. Yeah. There you go. That yeah, was all I... part of the plan. And uh, four kids. I've got three boys, uh, ranging from 18 down to 11, and then a daughter at eight years old. That's exciting. And uh, yeah, excited about the St. Louis Cardinals at the moment. I know, right? I know. This is going to air in November sometime, probably. So um, I'm not going to try to foreshadow what's going to happen. I hope that when we listen to this, we're still celebrating. Um, But... If uh, either anyone, way, they've made it fun here in the end of September. If anyone forgets, um, in the shadow of the postseason, this is true. the Cardinals are on a 17-game winning yep. streak. Yep. And I think we need to recognize that. I agree. I like time. that. I like that. Um, I, you know, I'm a little nervous about the one-game play-in, but uh, eh, we're not going to talk anymore about it because who knows what's going to happen. So. This isn't a sports game. But it's good. You're right. I, th- let's not lose sight of 17 <laughs> in a row. Maybe 18. We could get up to, what, 25, 22? So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's quite a run. Quite a run. Uh, so your boys keep you busy. I know they're into soccer. Um, we got soccer. Every time I talk to you, you're yeah. in the car taking them to a practice, to a game, a tournament. Yep. We've got soccer. We've got tumbling. Uh, and we have MMA. So a little bit of the everything. Whole, the whole span of sports. That's good. Yeah. I probably should have went into MMA and just took out aggression, but instead I played hockey. So uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about aggression okay, here good, in a few minutes. Good. So uh, just that's a nice. Is this going to turn into a counseling session? I'm a little nervous. Everything turns into a counseling session (laughs) with me. I'm sorry. I know I'm in the painting industry, but I always love it when we have our biweekly meetings and I sit down and you're like, so how are you? And I'm like, ah, where do we go with this? Like, are we going to spend our whole, am I going to have to pay you for this Uh, session? Like, how's this going to go? That's the goal. I love it. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us like kind of how you got into the painting, you know, initially when you were younger, 
um, just kind of give us your, your story and, and your journey in the life of Joel and condense it down to like a minute. Okay. I was born on a snowy, <laughs> cold snowy day in Peoria, Illinois okay. in 1979. Right. Well, you got and uh, we're almost out of time. Yep. So no, uh, painting for me is one of those through lines that somehow uh, keeps showing back up in okay. different eras of my life. And so painting for me uh, early on in high school in college and grad school was the means to the end to pay bills, uh, to provide, um, to uh, keep the, you know, the creditors off my back. (laughs) Um, And it was always one of those uh, skills and trades that was as soon as I get through college or as soon as I get through grad school, um, I will never touch a paintbrush again. I will never double over a toilet and paint around this toilet <laughs> one more. And it just keeps jokes coming on back. You. Yeah, jokes, jokes on, on me. You. So actually, uh, post-grad school, I worked um, in the mental health field for about almost 15 years. Okay. Um, did a number of different roles. Um, started a counseling center here in St. Louis. Worked as a social worker for a couple of years. Had a private practice. Um, but when things took a turn um, in, a, in a previous career with a, with a large nonprofit, um, I fell back into something that I knew, the trades in uh, painting. And uh, before I knew it, a couple of years later, it was a thriving business. And yeah. so it became my fo- focus uh, about cool. five years ago. That's awesome. That's very cool. Um, so, so you said painting kept showing up and just kept showing up and showing up in your life. Like what made you stop fighting that and just come back into, you know, the contracting, the painting world? Yeah, I think recognizing that I was an entrepreneur and recognizing that those uh, skills and uh, things that I enjoyed uh, about running an organization or running a business um, could be applied uh, across different areas, different trades, different businesses. And so uh, when I was able to kind of pick it up and apply it to the paint contracting world, uh, it's amazing how applicable, you know, the the skills are. Um, In particular, the skills that I developed as a um, director of a counseling center um, in terms of building a team, in terms of creating a culture um, that is um, healthy uh, and a culture where people thrive and really enjoy their work. So um, it hasn't felt, it sounds like a left turn uh, to many of our customers when they find out that, oh, you were in mental health, you were a counselor, why would you be doing this again? Um, But as I explain it that way, it makes a little bit more sense. No, that does. That really does. Well, you know, and we talked a few episodes ago. We had um, Brian and Shannon here with HD Paint and Stain talking about how they merged companies and went through that whole process to become a partnership. And, you know, I, I think we referenced in there is, you know, Brian is very passionate about painting. And I joked and I was like, I was not. Like, I was passionate about running a business. And it's Indeed. funny you bring that up uh, because I think I believe the painting industry as a whole is a lucrative industry to be in. Like if you kind of understand how to run a business and you're good at what you do, you're good with people, you can make a a healthy living off of it. Right. And I think a lot of trades are seeing that now, especially as there's some labor shortages and not just this year, but just in general, you know, as people are retiring and not as many younger people are coming in. Uh, But I think it's interesting that you mentioned that about the entrepreneurship side that you you know, I, I know you enjoy painting, um, you know, and that you like the craft side of it, but that you were an entrepreneur and that you came back into it from the business perspective. And you took what you learned 
throughout the years in your other industries and, you know, going through and seeing how things are run and you kind of took all the good and all you know, weeded out the bad and, and created what you've built now with paint the earth. And it's cool to see how you've used those experiences to come in and lead a company, you know, yeah, you, you enjoy doing some work, but you also are a leader in your company mm-hmm. moving forward with it. And so it's, it's, you know, one of the two ways that people get into it, you're either good at what you do and you go start a business or you come back into it as a business owner and build something. So it's unique to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the technical aspects of being in the trades, there's, there's an appeal there for me. Um, but I think recognizing, utilizing the people that you have hired, whether that's one person or three people, or in our case, seven people, utilizing those people to use their skills, um, to, to not only to build profit and to make a company profitable, uh, but also just the gratification of developing that team and seeing them put their skills to use. Um, that is applicable across profits, you know, for profits, yes. nonprofits. Absolutely. Um, it doesn't matter. Sort of it doesn't matter. Um, well, that's good. So, so what I want to kind of focus on, you know, the rest of our conversation is, you know, kind of about your background, how you've applied that in your company, how you utilize that stuff with your employees. Um, and so, you know, being a licensed therapist, you know, you have a big emphasis on the mental health in your company. You know, I've seen that working with you for well over a year now. Um, and it's one of the things I really appreciate about you is because I know you genuinely care about your employees. Um, you aren't the business owner that employees are the means to making money. <laughs> um, the necessary evil is how a lot of people view that, but you view employees as an asset to you and as part of the team. Um, and so I want to kind of just break that down and, and, you know, elaborate a little bit on, you know, your view of your employees and, and kind of how you go through and, and use your background to better the culture and stuff for all of your employees? Yeah. Well, that's a big question. Uh, I'll break it down into, uh, I mean, I think one central theme for me is I think about myself as the leader, as the owner, um, as the director of, you know, the ship that we're, uh, that we're on here is, you know, as a leader in any organization, like you are not only you, not only are you setting the tone for emotional, mental, um, you know, organizational health, like you are the tone. Um, so if you are an anxious person, then your organization will be an anxious organization. If you're an angry person, your organization will be angry. Um, if you are, um, hesitant to ever take a risk. Your team will rarely take a risk. Yeah. So like ultimately, as we think about mental health, um, what's most important to me is that I'm setting the tone and I am the tone for my company. And so paying close attention to where am I at personally, where right. am I at emotionally as I lead this team, because everyone is looking to me, whether they see me every day or not, they're getting texts from me, they're getting emails from me, and they are kind of, um, you know, they are responding to the, the tone that I'm setting for the company. Like um, so the phrase that really works for me and, and I try to remember as I lead uh, any team is like, I want to be a non-anxious presence. I like that. Um, this comes from a book called, uh, it's really an interesting book uh, that's really about systems in organizations called... Um, failure of nerve. Okay. Um, and the phrase that he uses in that book, Friedman is the last name is, you know, that leaders need to have a non-anxious presence, um, both for the outward facing kind of their customers, um, or for the people that they serve, but particularly for their, for their team, for their employees. That's And so, um, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of anxiety 
in the world. There's a lot of anxiety. Uh, no. Yeah. There's this thing called the pandemic. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Folks may not remember this. Is that why this alcohol podcast. sales are up like ridiculously? That's exactly why. It's exactly I'm why. I'm not kidding. Actually, they are. But, um, <laughs> no, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that. And I, I, I like that phrase. I've never heard it put like that. Um, I've heard things about the topic, right? But, um, you know, as, as I kind of think through that and just, you know, our history and working together and knowing you and, um, you know, and I think part of it's your, your personality temperament, too. Um, but I can tell that you really embody that. This is something you walk the walk in because, you know, there's there's been times that things haven't always been great or you're having a rough day with a, a client or something. Um, and I feel like you're, you're kind of a perfect example of like one some of the gifts and memes out there in the world of like, yeah, this is fine. Everything is fine. And like everything's just burning to fire around you, right? Like it's like a dumpster fire. And I'm like, hey, Joel, how's it going? You're like, oh. I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah. Well, what's happening? Well, this and this and this, but like, you know, it's all good. Like we're going to be fine. And I'm like, yeah, that's not the response most of our clients have in those situations. Like, well, the reality is for most of us who, who are running businesses and who are entrepreneurs is we're not saving lives. Right. Lives are not on, on the line. Right. Um, ultimately it may feel like it in whatever situation you're in, but ultimately like if we don't do things perfectly, um, or aren't able to deliver perfectly, like no one is going to die. That is not true if you work in emergency medicine <laughs> right, right. Little, or in a hospital little higher situation. Stress. Yeah. But for us, in particular, in the trades, um, you know, the world is not going to spin we, off its axis. We are important, but like we're not that important at the end of the day. Indeed. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think that's interesting. And, you know, I think that I'm going to kind of, we can go off on a little tangent here. Um, you know, I always tell clients, like, when things aren't going well, right, and you start to have that anxiety, you start to feel that pressure, the the nervousness, the scaredness, how is this customer going to react, whatever the situation is, um, I always like to play the worst-case scenario game, right? And I think we've had this conversation before uh, of what's the worst thing that happens? Okay, customer's mad. They're not happy with what you've done. How much money do you have into it? What are the, you know, what, what have you spent on paying? What have you paid your employees? Okay. Like, is that $1,000, $1,500, you know, and I understand sometimes it might be much larger than that. But on average, you know, that's usually where you're at when things are starting to go south. Like, is it really that big of a deal? Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand, like, a couple thousand bucks, it's a couple thousand bucks. Like, I don't ever want to just lose it, right? But it's not worth losing sleep over. It's not like, you know, the worst case scenario isn't that bad. And yeah. honestly, if, if your world is going to be rocked over losing $1,500 on a job, we need to talk about your business in some other ways, right? To help prevent that, or you have the security to avoid those things. So um, I think when you start to feel that, I I know that that always helped my perspective when I had my painting company, when things weren't going great, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? We have to walk away from the job. The homeowner's not happy and we're out 1500 bucks. Okay. Well, and this brings up a really interesting idea that I think um, we hear in, in customer service that I don't think is true that the customer is always right. Nope. That is not true. It's the worst answer um, And if ever. we live and if we embody that in our company, it's like our employees will absolutely not stay with us. Yeah. Because that's not actually a healthy um, culture to set um, for, for your company. Yeah. Because there are, and I say the word crazy as a professional counselor, <laughs> yeah. but there are crazy people that you will not make happy yeah. in whatever business you're in. It doesn't matter. Um, and if you are trying to bend and shape your company yep. around the outliers, um, you just won't have a solid team yeah. around you. You will have Weird. quick turnover. Um, your your 
employees will assume that you're putting your customers ahead of them. And that might work for a particular job or delivery of services, but it's not going to work in the long term. And so, yeah, when it comes down to having a non-anxious presence, it's also remembering that this job or this project will end. And who am I still going to have with me? That's you know, and do I important. want them with me um, continuing on into the future? If I don't, then, yeah, the customer's always right and do whatever it takes to make yeah. them happy. But. Yeah, that's not sustainable long term. Well, and I think, you know, there's 5% of people out there that eh, maybe 2%, you know, depending on the industry that you're just you're right. You're never going to make happy. Um, I don't know if you also know 90% of statistics are made up on the spot. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, that's I, 100% I, true. It is. I know. Right. Um, or is it 0% true? I don't know. Uh but, you know, I, I think that you really got to, you know, think about that and just, you know, you're right. You're not going to always make everybody happy. And I'm all about customer service and quality and, you know, all of those things. But at the end of the day, you know, like you said, there's people out there that are just you're going to catch. You're going to be the reason they're having a bad day and they take it out on you, even if it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, something else happened that might, you know, be you're impacted by it. You're just not going to make people happy sometimes. And you have to accept that. And you have to move on. And I think it is more important for the future of the company and the employees you have to move on past those things versus saving that $1,000 on that job or whatever it might be. Um, You know, I'm a big proponent of risk management Mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, customers. Like, don't be afraid to walk away from a job. It's better to do it before the job starts if you can, or even day one if you're there and like, hey, this just isn't, you know. But people are like, well, I have to follow through on this. And I'm like, if you're in a bad situation, if you've got a customer that's going to be rude to your employees, they're not good, you're probably going to lose money, just get out of there sooner. You know, and and I understand you don't want to do that too much. Like, I take all this with a grain of salt, right? You don't want to start a bad reputation. But sometimes that is much better off than trying to power through or, oh, we can change their attitude. Like, we'll get them to love us. <laughs> Not always the case. That's a losing game right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, you know, that's, I'm a big proponent of risk management. When you start seeing the orange flags and the red flags, 99% of the time, again, stats are made up, um, your gut feeling is right. You know, and I look back on the, the headaches that we had in the painting industry with a select handful of customers, and I would say – and this is a confidence statistic, about 80% of those, at some point I had a gut feeling that we shouldn't work for that customer. And we still did. And some of them turned out worse than others, but it was one of those things that I started learning, like, nope, the second you get that feeling, it's probably time to part ways. I think you're absolutely right about that. And that's what I tell people when you go do, you know, I'll be very specific with contractors here for a second. When you go do estimates or you're sitting down to get to know a client in a different industry, um, you're kind of interviewing that client in a way. Like you're not, you're there to sell yourself and you're there to get some numbers together for them and stuff. But you're really looking for those, is this going to be a problem client? Are they going to be... That's right, because they're interviewing you for are you the the right fit for this expectation or or this service that I'm looking for? And and similarly, let's turn it around and say, am I asking the right questions that are going to keep me and my team out of a really difficult situation? 100%. So let's dive into this a little bit deeper on the employee side now, um, now that our tangent got out of the way, although I'm happy with the content. But um, so what's kind of three common mistakes you see business owners make when it comes to the mental health of their employees? Are you ready to get real? I'm ready to get real, Joel. All right, we're going to take it there. Well, I'm going to take you back to high school (laughs) psychology class. And if you learned anything, you learned a little bit about Sigmund Freud 
And if you learned anything about Sigmund Freud, you talked about defense mechanisms. And so the three most common mistakes uh, what I, that I came up with have to do with fr- a few of Freud's defense mechanisms. Perfect. I slept through this class, so this is going to be great insight <laughs> for me to learn. I've heard of him, by the way. Okay. I I'm, just don't I'm glad know to hear that. the defense mechanisms we're talking about. And we're not talking about the Freud in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay. Uh, not that Freud. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't Freud in that? I think he I think was. So. I think that so. Was not, that so continue. was not actually yeah, three, three mistakes. Three mistakes. All right. So three common mistakes when it comes to health of employees. Notice these are all going to come back to you as the owner, as the chief of your business. I'm noticing a theme here. Okay. So the first one is a defense mechanism called displacement. So it's basically taking your problems and your issues out on another person. In this case, your employee. Nope. Nope. Never heard of it. Don't like that. Don't like it. Taking the problem out or taking the emotional difficulty out on basically the person that's less threatening than the person that actually needs to be dealt with. Okay. And so perhaps, and this is a for instance, you have some issues with your biological father. Right. Um, because when he gets really, when he got really angry with you when you were younger, you would shut down. Oh. And so perhaps what happens when things get heated, get angry, um, you respond in the same way now as an adult as you did when you were a kid with your with your father. Yep. So that would be taking that, um, you know, unpleasant emotion out. And so um, the most common example of this is dealing with anger by, like, kicking your dog. Okay. So displacing, taking something that's internal and externalizing and, uh, it with the wrong party, Okay. essentially. Yeah, that's good. I usually kick the dog's toys instead of him. Well, that's better. He's also 90 pounds, and he'd probably break my foot. So, okay. you know. We can talk about this off. Yeah, again, yeah. Again, it's going to turn <laughs> This into is counseling. all for instance. Yeah, oh, that's right. I forgot, for instance. No, but displacement yeah, is one good. example. Okay, like when that. things go sideways as an owner, coming out of you um, and not dealing directly with the person or the problem. And so when it comes to your employees, it's taking things out on them that may have nothing to do with them. Gotcha. Um, taking your emotional state and, like, in that driving you to maybe mistreat right. um, or uh, kind of deal with them in a way that's not fair. Good. I'm not um, trying to prove that I'm smart here, but it's kind of the customer example I used earlier that, you know, sometimes they take it out on you because somebody cut them off in traffic. Okay. Displacement. It goes exactly. both ways. See? It goes both ways. Maybe I did learn something in psychology class. <laughs> uh, the second uh, – common mistake I see is just denial. Okay. Um, this is a phrase or a word that we hear all the time. You know, denial is not just a river, um, all that, all, all those kind of silly <laughs> colloquialisms, but denial like is real. Yep. And what it usually shows up as um, for you as an owner in some type of addiction. Yep. Um, and we could go down the list of all the different things we can get addicted to. Right. Some of them are dangerous. Some of them are scrolling every through day, TikTok at 11 o'clock scrolling through TikTok yep. at 11 o'clock. So rather than, again, dealing with the problem or the issue or even your internal anxiety, um, it's turning it in another direction to soothe you or to keep you uh, from becoming more anxious. Okay. Um, and so, again, business owners often are in denial about the reality of, say, the numbers for their company. Yep. Or they're in denial about a particular employee that's difficult to deal with or in denial with maybe promising more than can be delivered. Okay. And so dealing with that anxiety by turning to some either a substance 
um, or some behavior. Again, eating is good. Right. Uh, eating at 11 o'clock, you know, three gallons of ice cream <laughs> to deal with anxiety or the fact that you can't sleep. Right. Not good. Right. The three gallons of ice cream might be the reason you're not sleeping. Well. Depends. <laughs> Which came first, though? I don't know. So Chicken or the egg. <laughs> uh, and then the third mistake, uh, and again, these are all defense mechanisms, is projection. Um, people get projection and displacement mixed up. But I think the best way to describe projection is just assuming that the people around you or the person that you're dealing with um, feels and is experiencing the situation the exact same you are. And so if you're angry, it's saying, well, that customer's always just angry. There's angry right. people. Or, you know, if you're anxious about a situation, it's turning that outward and saying, it's you, you're the one who's anxious. Yeah. So, you know, the arrow on each of these defense mechanisms really points back to you as the owner. Um, are you dealing with reality? Are you being honest about what's happening internally for you? Right. Um, and are you being honest with the situation of your company? That's cool. And so, yeah, these are all ways of avoiding, in a way, avoiding anxiety. Yeah. Um, but it, in a sense, they create more anxiety for everyone around you. That's cool. We said on our episode last week with Colin, um, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Um, and I think that it's very true. And that's one thing that's always intrigued me since we started working together and seeing what you're building with your team and your culture. And, um, you know, just because of your background, right? Like, you know, all of these things, people that have never been around it, that have never read a book, listened to a podcast about these things. Like, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking through that. I'm like, these, this hopefully is a light bulb moment for a lot of people. Like, and I think it's very important to understand, like, it all comes back to you as the owner. You know, and, and I know you're not a perfect person. You're pretty close to it. Pretty close to it. Your guys might agree separately. They've texted me about that. But <laughs> we're not going to go there. Um, but, you know, I mean, we all are. And this is something I guess I should say. It's an infinite game. You're never going to arrive. You're never going to have this perfectly. But I think if you can focus on the intentionality in your business and when you get in these situations with customers and with employees and, and you can remember these things and be aware of it. Um, and fight those natural tendencies to get angry or to shut down or, you know, whatever it is, um, I think it's really important to just be aware of it, right? And that's what I want people to kind of take out of this episode today is just be intentional, be aware of these things um, and how you can focus on correcting it um, and selfishly listen to this every three months and keep in tune with it, right? Plug into other resources. So um, no, th those were good. Um, how do you think that focusing on the well-being of your employees you know, affects your business, you know, in a good way? So we are not, uh, as a, as our painting business, we are not in the mental health business. We are right. not a counseling, um, center under the guise of a painting company. And most of the listeners, um, would be in the same boat. They're in different industries. Um, they are not capital T therapists, but I think it's important to remember again, as an owner of a business, um, your team is looking to you in some fashion or form as a, um, as a guide, um, as in, in a lot of cases, unconsciously, almost as a parent figure, because often with authority figures, you know, we're, we kind of go back to some of those earlier parts of our development where we're looking for approval, we're looking for guidance, we're looking for a direction. And so, um, as it relates to employees, I think it's really important to remember that, you know, the tone that you're setting is affecting everyone um, in your company. And, you know, your company is a living system. It's not a machine. Right. Uh, it's made up of people. 
Um, and maybe that's two people, maybe that's five people. Um, but the decisions you make and the emotional tone that you set for your company, um, you know, will affect um, every, every person and customer that you work with. So I think as it relates to affecting your business in a positive way, I think ultimately having a healthy culture in a company does lead to more and higher productivity, does lead to higher sales, does lead to better margins um, for your company. Um, I can't prove that with an exact percentage or right, next study yeah. at this point, but from my, from my own example uh, or from my own experience, you know, when your team believes that you are for them, um, when your employees believe that you want them to thrive in your company, they're willing to work harder and longer yep. um, and over the long haul for you because they want they don't want necessarily you to win they want the right. team to win and they believe ultimately that like this team or this organization is for me yep. and so we I could give examples uh, but I think ultimately the times where I've had difficult conversations with employees um, it usually comes back to something that's going on in their life something that a loss a grief um, something that hasn't really been addressed in their lives. Um, and I don't see myself as a capital T therapist for them. And right. I don't think any business owner should put themselves no. in that chair. But again, going back to like, are we being open and honest with our employees? And are we helping to guide them and direct them um, and creating a culture where they can come to you? I had an employee recently who came to me and had been given more responsibility than they were ready for. Um, and I've created a culture where I want to hear if things aren't going well, like, tell me what you need. How can I help you? Because I want you to thrive. Um, and he was willing um, to have that conversation with me, but then to take a step down from his position. And, and you know, we changed his responsibilities. Yeah. And that wasn't a huge loss for the company. That was like that was a that was an outcome that we were hoping and expecting yeah. that as employees are given too much or they're not able they to deliver to that they it. can come talk and we can reset expectations yeah so creating that sort of culture ultimately i think does lead to longer term productivity it may not in terms no. of on a quarterly basis or even on a yearly but if you can look at the long term culture like that takes years to build yep. well and i think it's you know I got to stop giving you compliments. You're going to get a big ego on me. Um, you know, speaking no. of Freud, yeah, it all goes back to the ego. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, again, I slept through that glass. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think I think you make a very interesting point there. And I think what a lot of employees are looking for these days, it's not necessarily the money. It is about fulfillment and enjoying what they do. Mm -hmm. But it's also about working for a place that they know has their back and has their best interest in mind and a place that they want to go to work at, mm -hmm. right? Um, you may have an employee that is content with the money you pay them. They can't say they love painting, but they, you know, they enjoy it enough, but they love the environment that you've created there. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that's the case necessarily, but that could be. Um, and the, you know, that's how you build things for the long term. You know, that's one thing that we really try to push with people is like, don't focus on building a business to make money just tomorrow. Focus on how you can make money over the next 20 years. And I think having that culture of focusing on your employees and their their mental health and, and that right culture there to where they can come have those conversations with you is what's going to allow you to build a business for the long term. Whereas I see other people, um, some clients, some not clients that you know, they, they can't keep employees and it's, it's a constant turnover. And, and, and I kind of have conversations sometimes and I'm like, 
you got to look in the mirror. You got to look at how you're leading them and, and are you portraying? And, and now I kind of know some of that, the anxiousness, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and those types of things. Um, and those are the ones that are always turning over employees versus, you know, trying to focus and keep people for the long haul. I think that that's becoming more and more important these days. For sure. So that's good. Um, you know, one thing I want to kind of hit on as we talk through this and, and, you know, we're trying to wrap this up in the next four hours, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I want to kind of hit on, you know, how do you recommend counseling yourself to work and lead others? So I, I've understood, I understand that the common theme here is that you really have to focus on yourself first. I think it's the common airplane analogy, right? You have to put your mask on before you can assist others because yep. you can't help somebody if you're laying on the ground, lack of oxygen. Um, so how do you recommend like focusing on trying to counsel yourself and, and grow yourself through all these things so that you can then effectively lead others? Cause it's not always an easy decision to just say, okay, I'm going to change tomorrow. Right. Yeah. There's no uh, quick and easy answer to that question. Uh, but to me, the word that comes to mind is just start with honesty. Yeah. Um, starting with honesty with yourself, which requires a little bit of time and, re- and self-reflection. And let's be honest, uh, most entrepreneurs and business owners run so fast and so hard, they don't take the time to self-reflect. So my, I guess my first thing would be to say, if you're feeling anxious, angry, frustrated, disappointed with your company right now, um, the first step in my mind is carving out some time taking some time. I always recommend actually writing something down either in a journal or on a document on your computer. And I like to start with just primary emotions. So the five primary emotions, you know, inside out, right? Remember that Pixar movie? You know, what am I angry about? What am I anxious about? What am I disgusted about? What am I joyful about? And what am I angry about? Okay. One of those emotions is primary for me. It's right. disgust. I'm just disgusted yep. <laughs> with, all right. X, Y, Z. Let me write out a story of where I've experienced disgust in the last week or in the last month. So you're starting with being honest with yourself. And then you're starting to look for, all right, what are the themes that I am, as I see this story or as I see these ideas that I've written out on a piece of paper, what it, this is probably a theme that has gone back through my life, in work, in relationships, um, in my personal development. So that's a great first step is just be honest. I like that. And always, always, always one person in your life. You know, who is that one person in your life that you trust and can handle you and can yeah. handle um, the, the ugly, the not put together? Right. Maybe that's a spouse. Uh, maybe that's a girlfriend or boyfriend. Maybe it's a friend. Um, I'm pro therapy. I, you know, I could say everyone needs to go to counseling and I think that's likely true, but you know, the, the bite size, uh, step here is be honest with yourself, find one person that you trust and just tell them the truth about, I know that I have these repeated patterns of berating my employees, um, and people won't stay with me. And I could point and say, well, it's the industry's fault or it's young people, it's millennials, but Let's be honest, that theme goes past this one situation. It's a much bigger theme in your life. And so I think, yeah, being honest. um, And if you have one particular employee um, that you would say uh, you have a bit of more of a friendship with in your company, ask them to give you some feedback. Say, hey, I'd like to take lunch next week. I would love to hear what you think about (laughs) 
how the, I'm doing. The company, Give yeah. me feedback on how my guidance or leadership is helping or hurting the company. Um, those are difficult situations to it have. Is. Because if you invite that, I mean, you might hear something that you don't want to hear. Um, but ultimately, you know, for the sake of your own mental health and yep. for your company in the future, there has to be a degree of honesty. And I'll tell you in my own life, any time that I've been willing to stop, slow down, take a deep breath and be honest, like it's always led to health. Yeah. Um, it's always led to better business, not worse. I've never regretted honesty, as difficult as it can be. Right. No, that's good. That's really good. I'll throw a couple other thoughts out there and, and we'll kind of start to wrap this up here. Um, you know, just things that I've, I felt like have helped, you know, me or uh, through other people. Um, you, you mentioned journaling already and just getting thoughts out there and, and having that, um, doing daily gratitude. Hmm. Like I know that's something that sounds super simple. It's, it's easy to do. It's easy not to do. Uh, but just sitting down every morning and writing out at least three, you know, five things that you're thankful for and kind of put yourself in that right mindset to start the day. Right. Um, and, and really I always challenge people, you know, get specific with it. Don't just say, Oh, I'm thankful for my wife. Like be, I'm thankful for the way that she did this. Hmm. And a lot of times I'll take a negative and I'll spin it into a positive. I like play mind games with myself on that mm -hmm. and be like, oh, this really angered me when she did this. And then I'll find a way to spin it in a positive light, you know, and that just helps reframe some of those perspectives. And she never does anything to make me angry, just to clarify. <laughs> uh, but if she did, that wouldn't be how I'd handle that. Um, and then the other thing, and this is maybe a personal thing for me is fitness mm. and, you know, eating healthy, but more so on just exercising and working out. Um, I've always said, uh, that, you know, whenever my fitness game is in check, that everything else in my life falls into place. And I don't think it's, it is the physical benefits of it, but a lot of it for me is the mental, because I know that's something I've always struggled with consistency for at least the last seven or eight years after college. And I think it's more of the moral victories of whenever I work out and I don't feel like it and I push through it and I go do it anyways. And I'm like, oh, man, I followed through. I've got discipline like I, you know, and then it kind of trickles down in a lot of other areas. So um, I just as we we're kind of thinking through like applicable things you can do. Those are those are some of the key things I always tell people start with these things. Right. Yeah. I love the honesty thing and, and confiding in people and stuff. And, and hopefully between all of that, it can start people on that right path. So, um well, what's one final piece of advice you'd like to leave people with? So as, as we kind of wrap up here today, um, you know, if there's one point you want to drive home, if it's one thing, uh, maybe we've talked about it, maybe we haven't. Um, what's one final piece of advice you really would like to leave people with? Yeah, I think I'll go back to the idea of as a leader, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, um, What's crucial for you is first to just to be honest with yourself. Like what is what is the emotion that keeps coming up for me on a daily or a weekly basis that's troubling, that's difficult for me, um, difficult for me to acknowledge. Um, the reality is your emotional state and the way that you are in the world flows downhill to your team whether you like it or not. And I guarantee if you go to your team and they're willing to be honest with you and they would say, you know, what's my, what's my biggest flaw? What is the thing that, you know, makes it difficult to work in this company? I mean, these are hard questions. I understand. Right. Right. I'm not, you know, belittling <laughs> that. I am, I acknowledge these are difficult questions, but like everyone in your company knows. Yeah. <laughs> they really do because they You're have not seen you. Anything. They have seen the patterns of behavior. They have seen that you when you're really frustrated with a company, you spin off and start something new. Yeah. 
you create a new department, you create a new initiative, they know what you do. They may have more insight into you than you do. Right. Um, Certainly someone that you live with would probably be able to tell you, hey, this is happening. Um, First step, be honest with yourself. Acknowledge a pattern or a theme. Um, and then take the next step. What does the next step mean? Does the next step mean talking to someone that's trusted? Does the next step mean, you know what? I am not going to start anything new um, because that is being fueled by my anxiety about the future of this company. I'm going to focus in on just working on what what is right here in front of us. You know, what is the business currently? Um, Just take stock of yourself. And I'm not saying this as a therapist, although that comes into play here. I'm saying that as a business owner because I see a lot of business owners and I see a lot of contractors spinning, 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 you know, whether they're stuck in technician mode, you know, um, on the ground doing everything themselves, you know, wearing 18 hats, um, or whether I see them avoiding their company because they're so, you know, overwhelmed with what needs to happen next. Um, it's okay to acknowledge that the world, I promise, will not spin off its axis. It's going to be okay, uh, but the first step to being okay is being honest with yourself. I like it, and someone that you know that trusts um, and that you trust in your life. I like it. I like it. Well, I appreciate your insight. I appreciate you using your background and kind of helping break some of this stuff down for us. I think it's very important. And when we started talking about it at one of our meetings, I got really excited to have you on here and do this. So appreciate you taking time out of your day, coming and recording this. And uh, I'm sure we'll turn it into another episode in the future. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks, Joel. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.